Welcome to Spiritual Caffeine, the energy podcast that's good for you. This is episode 18, The Chosen. If you've not heard of The Chosen, and I'm talking about the, not the Chaim Potox novel, The Chosen, which is incredible and everyone on the earth should read it. I found it profound, but this is not to be confused with that particular work of art. This is about the life of Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ, oh my gosh, you're in for such an amazing, amazing ride. If you are not a follower of Christ and you're just curious, like who... I mean, really, who, who, who is he? He's a historical figure. But beyond that, who is he? If you're interested in some of the scriptural accounts about his life from the New Testament and even some of the prophecies from the Old Testament, if you're curious about any part of that history, uh, either way, this is an incredible series. And it's the first time that a TV series has been um, produced about the life of Christ. And what makes this one so amazing is the way the story is told. Come join me. So let's just start with the creative mind behind this and just some of the really innovative things that he's done. Dallas Jenkins is the director and one of the co-writers, and he surrounded himself with just beautiful writers, the dialogue that they write and the themes that they touch on and the artistic license that they take, because they do take some, they create fully fleshed three-dimensional characters and all the events that happen in the New Testament and the miracles and the different um, things that we know about Christ, we do see Christ. And by the way, an amazing Christ. I have to say thank you, thank you for casting a Christ who looks like he's from the Middle East. This has sort of been a new thing, right? I mean, it, it, it it's just been the last 10 years or so that we start to see Christs who do reflect um, just the genetic identity of someone who was raised in that part of the world during that period of history. And and I have, this is not to say I, have, I don't have anything against any depiction of Christ because Every, every artist tries to paint this figure, um, and that's got to be an incredibly difficult job. It's, a, it's an incredibly difficult job to cast Christ, for sure, but also to paint him. And a lot of people just go for more of the essence of who he is rather than um, a, an actual physical depiction, but other people go for a blend. Uh, I used to manage an LDS bookstore, a small family-owned bookstore, cover to cover, shout out, uh, in Reno, and also worked at the one in Roseville for years. And I would hear, not often, but enough that it's enough times, people would say, oh, you know, I don't like that picture of Christ, doesn't, you know, or, oh, I love that one, and it might be one that I don't care for. But my my philosophy, my, my answer to that was always, hey, you know, thank heavens we have choice right? Because what's going to speak to one person is not going to speak to another person. Um, but I digress. <laughs> the point is, the actor who is cast, Jonathan Raumi, just touches me deeply in his portrayal of Christ, in his eyes, in his face, in his manner, in his humanness, the human side of him, with his laughter. And uh, again, all of these actors are just so brought to life because of 
there, not in Christ, not because of his imperfections or weaknesses, but in everybody else. I love Simon Peter so much. The actor who plays him is Shazar, Shahar, Shahar Isaac, I believe that's how you say it. Just incredible. Noah James, who plays Andrew, love him to death. And there are a lot of beautiful women who we know of in the scriptures who, again, are brought more to life because of the way that they've been written. So we have the wife of Simon Peter, whose name is Eden, played by Lara Silva. Love her. Love her to death. I love the wife of Nicodemus, who's played by Janice uh, Dodaris, I believe that's how you say it. And we, we don't even hear of her, but you know he is a man of substance, and he's one of the ruling leaders in Jewish um, religious life. I forget if he's a Sanhedrin. I think he's a Sanhedrin. But he is very much in the super upper class of, of Jewish um, society and religious culture and leadership. And so he's going to probably have a wife. And the way she we see her depicted is um, very cool. I love to death the actress who plays Mary Magdalene. And that's played by Elizabeth uh, Tabish. She embodies Mary Magdalene's transformation in such a respectful and believable way when we see her before she's healed by Christ and then the person that she truly is and uh, who she becomes as she continues to progress as a person, as a disciple of Christ. That is incredible as well. And Mother Mary, uh, who is portrayed by uh, Vanessa Benevente. That's another really hard one to cast, almost as hard as it is to cast Christ. And they found a beautiful actress to portray her, who um, you believe as the young mother and who you, who you believe as the older mother of, of Christ. Sometimes these, these people that we read from in the scripture, we think of uh, on this, I don't know, holier than thou, higher pedestal, higher plane. And it's hard to relate to them, except for maybe we can relate a little bit to Peter <laughs> and his impulsive nature. And sometimes his, you know, he acts on his emotions. And I, I can relate to that. Uh, but I relate to every single one of these characters. And with the artistic license, I don't want to give away too much, but there is a character that's on the autistic uh, autism spectrum. And I, I just love this character. I love Andrew and, and James and John. Okay, so there's that, that you really feel that you get to know these people and you feel immersed in the story. It, should, it becomes extremely relevant because the same issues, of course, that they're dealing with in terms of spiritual growth, um, psychological and emotional difficulties we deal with today. They're part of humanity, part of being a human being. And so we get to see how Christ interacts with them personally um, in these moments. Such an incredibly done series. And the thing that makes this also really cool is that they're not beholden to any studio. Dallas Jenkins decided that he wanted to produce, have this be produced um, independent of any um, you know CEOs who were going to greenlight anything. And so this entire season, season one, was crowdfunded. And it is the, it is, um, the, uh, the highest crowdfunded TV project or film project ever up to this point. I'm going to guess maybe season two will break that record. Um, but he's raised a lot of money. And 
you can see where the money goes. It goes into the incredible script writing. It goes into the production values. It goes into paying these amazing actors. Um, and the, the props and the sets, they're all exquisite. Uh, the only, I will say, there was one comment, I was watching one episode with one of my sons, and he's like, eh, I think the Roman's armor is a little shiny. <laughs> I, I, I have to agree. It was pretty shiny. It was, these Schultz soldiers took care of their armor. <laughs> Uh, that was the only thing that I was like, uh, hmm, not sure about that one. But uh, everything, I, seriously, it's just uh, incredible. And the thing about it is that as a person who's been a follower, follower of Christ for decades, I, I, I learned things and I felt so moved and touched. One other really cool thing about Dallas Jenkins, and by the way, he comes from, he's an evangelical Christian, and he comes from a background of, of evangelicals. His father uh, was the writer of the Left Behind series. So he grew up with this whole idea of if you are a Christian who has an artistic talent, you can use that uh, to put that out in the world. Uh, so um, Dallas Jenkins, uh, I don't know what the story behind this is. I would love to know. The story, but he has surrounded himself with a lot of LDS people on his production team. So that is very cool. There are a number of evangelical Christians who do not accept that Latter-day Saints are Christians, that we worship Christ. And he is a defender of that. He's right there in the forefront saying, mm, nope, uh, they really do. A lot of them are my production team. And uh, the distribution company, VidAngel, is run by uh, an LDS um, uh, team, I want to say. So it's kind of cool that that has been a bridge and has not, um, it's created some great conversation and hopefully will create more bridges of understanding. So that part's super cool too. Now, uh, up to this point, and we're in August right now, it has been viewed over 51 million times. Season one was 100% funded, and now they're raising funding for season two. It's pretty cool because you can see they have so the way that you can watch it, okay, two different ways. You can just Google the chosen TV series or the chosen Christ, just not to be confused with Chaim Potok's um, piece of uh, piece of art, his his novel. But you can also get an app. And this app is really cool. You put it on your phone and it then it connects to your device. So you can control it that way. Uh, during Easter, there was a YouTube release of each episode. There's eight episodes in the first season. And so every night they released an episode. And there was, uh, before you actually watched the episode, there was commentary by Dallas Jenkins. And then he would bring on afterwards one of the actors and talk with them whether it was Christ or whether it was Simon Peter, whoever he would interview about the casting process, about their own personal stories in filming. It, just incredible. I, I think I've said the word incredible about five times, but it is no understatement at all. And, and what's surprising to me is I kind of thought that a lot of people knew that this was out there with 51 million views at this point. But I have been talking in the last, I don't know, four or five weeks with friends and family outside of Utah. 
and they had never heard of it. I'm like, what? This has like become a phenomenon. So I want to do my little teeny bit of letting you know that there is something amazing out there that you can check out. Another really cool thing about this series is that uh, each episode, kind of putting it in perspective, because they are not, they're not like cutting corners in the production values. And in, in, as I mentioned, all the different things that the money's going to. Each episode is, is running a roughly about a little over a million per episode. And so to put that in perspective, Dallas Jenkins, I, I was doing an interview and he mentioned that Game of Thrones, which is finishing up or it did finish up or I don't know, I, I don't watch it. So I'm, I, I know it's eight seasons. So uh, over the course of the production of that series each episode cost anywhere from like five or six or so million up to 18 million per episode so he's doing an incredible um, era piece roughly a little over a million per episode so that just kind of shows you how I don't know how frugal they're being, maybe, <laughs> but but not cutting corners as well. So it's it's um, it's just so applaudable and amazing. And one other thing I want to talk about in terms of the cast is this: every cast member um, speaks with a beautiful accent, which again gives it this very authentic feel, and and they all look. I mean, the casting is great. They all look like they really could be those people. I want to talk about one particular scene that that touched me so much in one of the episodes. And this is the scene where we see Christ perform his first public miracle, which is the changing of the water into wine. And the entire episode goes behind the scenes. In fact, that's kind of a... Um, sort of a modus operandi of Dallas Jenkins is he does go behind the scenes a lot so you do have you know you have a lot that is not as is not intact in the scriptures but it it connects to something that we read about in the scriptures so for instance we know about this the wedding at Canaan right we know about the miracle but he goes behind the scenes and he shows the diversity of people living in the era at the time so we see a lot of diversity in the casting we see the different um, levels of society from the mother and father who um, the uh, the parents are trying to impress the future mother-in-law and father-in-law because they're from a higher social status and so they're very worried and concerned about how the wedding's going to go down and will they run out of wine did they had could they afford the best wine and and it it really gets you into the whole mindset of what were the, what were the stakes and how excited Mother Mary was that her son was going to come to this wedding and bring some of his students. <laughs> and Mary, Mother Mary helping out um, the family before the, all the guests did arrive. And you see how traditionally that ceremony is not just a one-day thing. And we know that from the parable of the Ten Virgins, but you can see the preparation that takes place and and the the master of the wine and the guests and the expectations and what actually the dialogue might have been when they could see that they were running out of wine and how socially damning that would be um, for this family of humiliation and a sadness for the bride and groom and 
everyone's expectations and what the celebration was going to be and Jewish tradition at the time. So that's something that, you know, unless you're a student of Judaism or of history, neither of which I am, <laughs> that you don't know a lot of these details. And it's just really um, puts you there, just puts you there pretty much front and center. What I love the most about the one moment in this in this episode is a scene where Mary actually is asking Jesus if there's something he can do. And the communication that is exchanged between Mother Mary and her son is just so beautiful. And it is exactly like how you would imagine it would be between the Son of God and his mother, who is asking him for a favor, and knowing that this favor is not just, will you please go get some water from the well, but can you do something? We have run out of wine. And knowing the importance of what that meant, it it's a beautiful moment. And this series is full of those moments, one after another. All right, so uh, last little tidbit here. When you go to watch it, you can see on the app, it's super cool. It shows you how much uh, money has been raised and how much e- each episode has to go before this full season is raised. And they're, like I mentioned, they're pretty close to funding all of season two, which is really exciting. If you go to the app, there's a bonus content that just appeared. And this is on a Zoom call. I don't know, it's probably like about 10 cast members, plus Dallas Jenkins, the director. They are reading, they're doing a cast reading of, uh, I think it's episode three from season two. So you get to be a fly on the wall watching them not rehearse, but actually doing a reading, you know, without stopping. Yeah, it's very cool. And the scene is from, again, it's a behind the scenes scene where the disciples are sleepy, it's late at night, and they're kind of in the background having conversations very some of them are falling asleep some of them are waking up while they're doing that jesus is in the uh foreground uh healing people and i guess there's just like a long line of people so this has been going on for some time so you get to see that before it's even produced very cool all right well friends i hope that you'll check it out and if you are moved to do so i hope that you'll be able to maybe do whatever you can to keep the season going they're hoping to have uh, seven or eight seasons. And then my hope is that this thing will be so globally phenomenal. It already is. It already is an amazing thing that, that they've done, and you can feel God's hand in it. Um, but I'm hoping that they'll continue to produce more of these. Uh, they, their goal is to do all the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then maybe they can follow Peter and Paul. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, enjoy. Go check it out. The Chosen by Dallas Jenkins, the TV series. Also on the app, um, I wanted to say especially a shout out to Moppet40. I think that's how I say it. Thanks so much, Moppet40, for leaving a review. You're the very first one on Apple Podcasts, and I thank you so much. I didn't notice it till now, so that's like such a... I'm so sorry. I just... I don't... I didn't notice it till now, but I thank you. Thank you so much. And also thank you people who've left five-star reviews. Really appreciate that. So the more people that will do that, the more people will be able to find the podcast. So thank you so much. Send the links, tell your friends, and thank you for listening. Have a fab day.